the window had been busted out and our gear, part of our gear had been stolen. Uh, there's nowhere to play up here at all. I'm sitting there kind of by myself, like waiting for my manners. And, and the mirrors, like they, the mirrors kind of like spin open like 90 degrees, like they kind of rotate open. And all these women in sexy lingerie can come walking out from behind the mirrors. I'm just well, going to throw this out there that it almost sounded like you were kind of the dark side sometimes of the scene. Just when I parted ways with monuments and so it was a really, really desperate time of my life. At the end of it, our bass player told us, like, he just looked at us and was like, yeah, this is my last show. So, like, basically back to the beast era. Dealing with this alcohol intake and we're at a Christian festival and it's supposed to be a Christian band. I was kind of like, man, this, this sucks. This is not a good look. Welcome back to Dark Side of the Scene. I'm your host, Brandon, alongside Ed. Ed, what's up? Dark Side of the Scene. I had a a bowl of shredded wheat because I'm old. <laughs> Actually, that has nothing to do with anything. I, I was going to say, what does that have to do with Dark Side <laughs> I know, of the right? Scene? <laughs> no i actually uh i told you last night i had something to rant about and i actually didn't forget because it's been on my brain so <laughs> we have this uh i live in this town i don't know if i'm supposed to say the town i live in but <laughs> it doesn't matter doesn't not matter okay so mm-hmm. uh i live in look good old uh goshen indiana right and like uh, a few years ago there's Facebook like page for it because we have our Goshen first Fridays and whatever st- stuff with the community. And they had one called the good at Goshen and they're in- interviewing all these like musicians that are in Goshen. A couple of them were metal bands and I'm like, they were talking about, I'm not really sure why they interviewed them aside from like the idea that they're in a band. And I don't know if they serve any purpose to the community. Maybe they do. But my thing is, why the fuck wasn't I on there? I mean, I've been born and raised in this town, and most of those people they interviewed aren't even like from here. Like they just kind of came here. Do they know who you are though? No. I mean, I'm not in that network of people, but I, I find it insulting. Like, let's say figuratively I got big. I would not fucking have them try to include me in any of that shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like that's like, oh now you care. <laughs> but I'm not ever I'm not saying I ever get big. I just think that's kind of funny because again, everybody they interviewed, it's not a Goshen born and raised. I was born and raised in Goshen, still live here. So I find that funny. I guess my band ain't cool enough. I, I'm not part of the cool kids. I don't strive to be, but that's just hilarious hilarious to me that Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I have a not really a ramp uh, doing this podcast outside of my 10 year old stepson's bedroom and my 12 year old stepdaughter's bedrooms down here in the basement apparently they can hear our conversation sometimes even though I have a headset on to hear me and my stepson was just informing my wife about a conversation about me being tied up and being beaten with bells by strippers apparently <laughs> You must have heard that conversation. I don't remember what episode that was from, but 
I guess that's a dark side of doing this podcast. My children hear my bad stories. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, what can you do? It's adult it's adult time. Yeah. We we do this later. Not my fault. They're not asleep. Guess right. I'll make, <laughs> make their bedtimes earlier. Hey, at least you're acknowledged. My own Tom won't even acknowledge me as being anything but and <laughs> according to some people, I actually and the reason why metal shows get played at Ignition Music. I I, I can confirm that with him, who owns, who co-owns that, but he had asked me if it was a good idea. I, I think we talked about this somewhere else, but, like, I guess that's kind of cool. Even though there was a scene here, you know, back in the day in the two, early 2000s, which I didn't part of, that it's cool that, like, in a way I contributed, even though I'm not in a cool article. Because I'd have nothing to say. I'm like this about my town. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm not a contributing. I'm not a pillar of the community. Let's just say that. But I'm not a piece of shit either. I mean, <laughs> I guess I, I don't know what I'm ranting about. I'm not I'm not upset that I'm not on it, but it's just kind of funny that they interview those people and not me. But whatever. <laughs> I wouldn't even. At the end of the day, it's like. Who the hell is this person anyways that they're interviewing? And who the hell, what is this thing that's interviewing people to? It's just like us interviewing people. Like, who the fuck are we? <laughs> that's true. I mean, uh, we're not the pillar of the community on the internet either. No. I just, at this point in my life, I don't give two shits. <laughs> it is what it is. Right. If Peru went around and interviewed local musicians from Peru, I can't really say that I'm a local musician. But, uh... It is uh, one of those things because I did bring a lot of shows back in the day through here, but it's not like anyone fucking cares. What what was that? Um, you had called this podcast something, some article. Were you trying to write in a magazine or something? I, I was doing a blog. Oh, it had when, nothing to do with home. No, back when blogs were a thing, I guess. I don't know what I was doing. Oh. It was Dark Side of Your Scene, and... I was just writing about the same topics that we're talking about. Oh, um, this is just shit that's been on my mind for a long time. But uh, I felt like no one ever wants to bring it up. Like the horror stories that bands go through of spending like thousands of dollars on recordings and never getting a fucking song back. Huh? I speak from experience or just all the stuff that I've dealt with. I was like, how come no one ever else ever talks about this shit? I can't be the only one that's dealt with it. So, right. I started to write about it and then kind of wrote a few articles and then stopped doing that. And now like six, seven years later, here we are. Well, I thought maybe you're doing it for your local newspaper. Like what's your newspaper called? Like the Kokomo clown or something. <laughs> the the Peru attempt. Really? <laughs> no. the, cl the clown would have been a bit better. No, it's called the Peru Tribune. I don't even know if it even, I'm assuming it's still, I don't know. Does anyone buy newspapers anymore? Kokomo Clown. No, it's just all Facebook. No. All Facebook pages. It's all fake news anyways. Basically. But yeah, anyone out there, if you've ever been in a band and you feel like that they local area has not asked to interview you, we will be the people that will interview you. We will make yeah. it up. Your area so sucks. It's okay. We don't suck. We'll talk to you. You're not the clown to us. No. 
but send an email to Brandon at darksideofthescene.com and we'll interview you and you could be very happy about it. Even though we're just the same type of clowns, these other people apparently are too. Uh-huh. We're just not asshole clowns. Yeah. On that note, we have a guest waiting, so hang tight and we'll bring him on in. Like the take the time to welcome our guest Jeff on the show. Jeff, thanks for coming out and talking to Ed and I. Absolutely, guys. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Jeffrey, what were you eating? <laughs> Just uh, right now, uh, steak and cheese. Uh, steak and cheese only. So steak, pepperoni, and cheese on a, uh, I guess, hoagie roll or sandwich roll. Damn. Or, yeah. Yeah. Delicious. It does sound good. Right. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's delicious. It was, uh, yeah, it's my first meal of the day. <laughs> you said right you now? Night. Man. You've been traveling all day, you said? Oh. Yeah, I just got in. Um, I got in from New York at about 5 o'clock this evening. And uh, I've been traveling for the last week and a half. I was in uh, New Orleans for like uh, four or five days. And then I then I came home for about 21 hours, just enough to pack and then fly up to New York and uh, spend some time up there. And yeah, I just got back back today. And I was like, I got to be back in time. I was like, no matter what happens, I just have to be back in time. So this mm. is a, <laughs> and I was like, wait, I got to eat too. Holy shit. <laughs> Somewhere wow. along the lines. Cause I mean, when you're in the airports, you're not really thinking about eating. Cause you're like, cause you're thinking about I'm on a plane. That's the only thing you need to think about is I'm on a plane. And if you guys understand what that means, it's like, you don't want to poop. That's all. You yeah. just want to poop. Yeah, <laughs> I'm on a plane. I'm on a plane. Well, all, the, all the damn food is like expensive at the airport anyway. Well, some of them. Huh. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's all chain stuff. You know what I mean? I like mom and pop restaurants. Right. I grew up in upstate New York. So for me, like, that's what we grew up on. Like the co- local convenience store was owned by your neighbor, you know, and the pizzerias were owned by families and, you know, stores, convenience stores were owned by families. Now it's all totally different. Even in the bars and restaurants of like, in most inner cities, bigger cities, you know, it's mm. crazy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, corporate world. So, uh, what, so what, I guess going to ask where you're traveling. Was this part of your job? Um, at this point, yeah. Um, yeah, I, uh, I play music, so I'm a musician. I got the, my band two inch voices. Um, so really for me, a lot of it's showing face, you know, if I can say anything, it's like, you have to show up places, you know, um, you, you can't just call a place and expect them to put you on. Like they want to see that you can be in their city. You know, that's mm-hmm. why I, well, one of the reasons why I love New Orleans is because it's close. It's an hour and a half away. But the hour time difference puts me there a half hour after I left. <laughs> so mm. basically, I like took a shower and I woke up in New Orleans. You know what I mean? So, um, but no, it's I, I really believe in go to these places, go to the cities that you feel you want to play. Take the time to know more about the city, even the venues there. You know who's in charge? Meet that person, shake their hand, give them a sticker, give them a CD, give them a package of some sort, but just show the fuck up. True. <laughs> so how long have you been playing? I started playing drums, uh, you know, like kind of like, I think like every kid does where you uh, grab pencils and you take like old Kool-Aid cups and you flip them upside down because you busted the hole in the, already the plastic side. So you duct tape yeah. that joint. So that's how I started. I just started yeah. playing drums. It was all percussion. Um, but actually like playing drums, probably 15 when I sat down and I was like, 
I can do this. I'm just going to do it. Yeah. I've been yeah. doing it ever since. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It's my whole, it's, it's everything. You know, people are like, I can't live without music. No, literally like I am music. I just love it. I love all of it. I don't even yes. have a guilty pleasure. Cause I just love it all. You know, that's true. Actually, you're a, uh, one of the rare people because lately we get bass players and now we got drummers and you people are hard to find bass players and drummers, man. Well, I started out playing drums, but then progressively. So right. then I started playing drums and singing because we couldn't find a singer. So then I was mm. playing drums, doing some Phil Collins shit. Right. Yeah. I'm yeah. like in the air tonight. I'm like, listen, I got to be the guy to do this and this because I just there was nobody else that would sing. This is high school. People are shy as shit. I didn't care. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. Call me a nerd. I'm still having fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's why we do it. So then I started singing. And then um, I started learning piano. And then I just started singing full time for a bunch of metal bands. And then, like, kind of, like, new metal projects and shit like that. And um, and then I started, you know, my band released uh, here out of Sarasota. We had disbanded in 2007. So I just started writing acoustic music and kind of learning how to how to do that on my own. So mm. I just, yeah, so now Two Inch Voices is just an acoustic project. It was a rock band. It was a three-piece. But then I was like, you know what? Acoustic. Let's just do it. And it's, and I, yeah, so that's what it is. So you're basically, you're based in Florida now. Correct. Yeah, we'll yeah. Brought, we'll brought you out there from uh, good old New York. Well, my neighborhood when I left it uh, was a federal became a federal war zone, um, as it's been you know, the documents saying this, that, and the other. And honestly, there isn't a lot. There wasn't a lot of opportunity there when I lived there. So my mom was like, "Well, I'm skating out. If you want to come down, come on down, try it out." So I did, and then um, I was here for probably six months or so. And then um, my one of my became my best friend Ray. He then we I they had a band that lived across the streets. I'm like, there's these dudes with long black hair, black t-shirts on, cut off sleeves and fucking goatees looking like there's just gnarly ass metal dudes. And I was like, I want to fucking play music with you dudes. I don't care if I gotta play fucking keyboards. You dudes are cool as shit, and I wanna play music with you dudes. And then me and that dude Ray, we've been friends for 25 years now. Still plays drums. We're still the best of friends. Um, yeah. Nice. So and I just stuck around, man. You know, and then progressively we you know, just especially in Florida, it's a very big, small scene. Tampa's like the leader of death metal. Like they were a big thing in the eighties, yeah, eighties uh, and nineties. You know, I mean, we still got the corpse though. We got Cannibal Corpse all day long, dude. Those guys are great. Mm. Um, but yeah, Florida, Florida's a, it's it's not what it used to be for the music scene. But there's such great musicians here. So mm. I heard. <laughs> so current, so basically, currently the scene's like not very great right now there. So we're saying correct. correct. Yeah, that's why I go other places, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I go to New Orleans. I go to New York. Uh, I still got my friends and everybody up in New York, and I got plenty of friends and family in New Orleans too. Um, and at this point, I just want to start traveling out. So maybe at some point, I'll do a one month tour, and I wind up, you know, in Indiana. Who knows? I'll wind up anywhere. You know what I mean? Nice. So yeah. how many? So many bands have you been in? Like, uh, like, just a rough guess. Like, shoot, man. Um, Probably two in high school. Uh, became very involved with electronic music, like drum machines and stuff. So I started getting into industrial music, big on Godflesh, um, Ministry, Skinny Puppy, uh, Front 242. I don't know if you know any of these bands, but um, 
you know, check them out. If you, if you like industrial music or just, you know, uh, I like, I like, I'm big on like Napalm Death, uh, mm-hmm. big British band. So um, their old guitar player, Justin Broderick, he left Napalm in like mid to late eighties and started Godflesh. If you're not familiar, nasty heavy, but no, he's know, got some heard, great. Yeah. I heard they're pretty like legendary. I just haven't listened to them. And I yeah. don't know why. So I, I'm, I recommend it. There. I always think of like, <laughs> I, I, I always think of like them and like, ministry and then like i feel like even though fear factory wasn't exactly like industrial there was a little bit of it uh-huh. in there true but, yeah. oh you're right on that go yeah. around yeah because yeah. that that whole period was like kind of experimental for everyone and they kind of came out with some interesting shit so yeah so basically yeah, whole... yeah. Go, so... No, go ahead go ahead no go on no i was just going to comment so yeah I, I i couldn't really couldn't agree more because it's they all kind of popped at the same time, <clears throat> like industrial music, and, and they're all and they're all different. Like Front Two Four Two, and then KMFDM. Like they're all industrial, but they've all really did their own thing. Like and not like metal bands where it's like, oh shit, well my man over here is doing this sound, and I see it's successful. I'm gonna I'm gonna hop on that shit. That's like they they all literally did their own thing and did it so well that they're legends, you know. Yep. So during that period of time and all the bands, so I guess I'm going to get to the, the fun stuff. You got any uh, crazy stories with, in your upbringing in bands? Like little things you can remember? Oh, that, yeah, to man. Then, to currently, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, man, there's so much time. Like, uh, let's see. Um, shoot. We can... Uh... Man, uh, yeah, we, no, right. we, used to play, we, we used to play this Masonic Temple. Um, and so in high school, um, one of our teachers was a Mason. So he was like, all right, well, you know, and, and one of our guitar player was, you know, good friends with him, his family, family friend. Like where I grew up in New York is kind of small town. It's a lot of people know each other because their, their parents grew up there and all went to school together. So we wound up getting uh, getting to borrow this Masonic temple. And it was like it basically turned into like a mosh pit. Like, I don't know if you, if you know anything about New York hardcore. Now, mind you, none of these bands I played there were New York hardcore. But literally mm-hmm. turned into a mosh pit in in the Masonic Temple. I now at like thirteen fit between thirteen and fifteen years old. When you see that, you're like, holy shit! Like <laughs> then you see like biohazard videos nowadays, and you're like, oh, in comparison, that was child's play. You know what I mean? Because you think about biohazard, like true New York hardcore bands. You know, H two O, Sick of It All, uh, Crown of Thorns, Leeway, um, any Gorilla Biscuits, Youth of Today, any of those bands that like pioneered hardcore or even just big in hardcore now. You know, those pits are disgusting. Got my shoulder separated at a biohazard show. Yes, it did. <laughs> that shit hurt. That was a big man. He was a big dude. And I was, li- I've, I've always been kind of a smaller dude. And I was probably 150 pounds. And this dude was yeah, a good 320. He was a big dude, like two of me. And mm-hmm. his name was Tiny. And he used to be the singer for a band called Straight Jacket, which was from uh, Cohoes. So, right, right, kind of like neighbors to us. And he just, I, I swear to God, he sized me up. Like he was at the back of the stage and I was in the middle and I'm just watching the show. And I looked and I was like, this is going to hurt. And it's just going to hurt. And that's all I told myself. I was like, whatever. So he just ran and then just stage dived or dove or however, you know, whatever English there is. And uh, he just got me. Bop. There goes the shoulder. So I leaned up on top of the, uh, the front barricade, the rest of the show, dislocated shoulder, but I wasn't going to miss biohazard. <laughs> And watch all the gorillas beat the shit out of each other. Oh, not a chance, man. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. So um, I've had I've so uh, once upon a time, 
uh, we were, we I have a band have, still kind of a still kind of a project. We're split up. Our guitar player lives in L.A., works at the Whiskey A Go Go. He runs video there. Uh, if you're ever out that way, his name is Tony. Tell him his boy Jeff says hello, and and he'll know exactly who you're talking about. Um, so uh, we were playing a show at a club up in Bradenton. Uh, no name, but just a, just a venue. And this yeah. guy from a, a pretty well-known national act, international, big deal, right? Um, I was standing with a bass player, and we were commenting on how we got robbed of time. We were playing with Head PE that night. Yeah. And we got robbed of time because somebody else's band went over. So we had to cut our time. And my, my buddy Dubs was like, well, that's bullshit. And homeboy's girlfriend, wife person heard that. Went back and told that dude. So then that dude confronted my bass player and I'm standing there and guy says, you know, fuck you, you, you know, you don't even deserve to be on this stage. Mind you, we had played, I don't know how many shows with and for this guy as a promoter, you know, at this venue. So Dubs just comes back, bump, sticks him one right in the eye. This gives it, just gives him, gives it to him. And I was like, I just stood there. His bouncer, because what had happened was everybody knew what had happened. Even the bouncer knew because we didn't start fights. And this guy started putting his finger in Dubs' face and poking at him. Dubs was like, nope, boom, gave him a good one. And I just stood there and I was like, well, I mean, that's between you guys. <laughs> I was right. like, I'm not jumping in. I'm just going to make sure that nobody else does, you know. But, yeah, man, I mean, I, I've seen um, oh, one of the – so here you go. So this is a, this is a story not for the children. But anyway, during during the 90s, there was this thing that was big in Florida, right? Late 90s. You know, there's a whole rave era. We'll just call it the rave area, right? So Florida was big on the rave area. So there used to be these really, like we were talking when we were talking off uh, off the uh, off the, off the recording and all just a minute ago. Um, we used to have this great venue uh, called the Brownstone Cafe. Uh, there's right next door to that was a place called the light painter gallery. So between those two, that's where all the bands would play. And that's how we all became friends because there was the one spot in the middle of town where everybody could come from Bradenton or South, you know, South of there and go play. Well, <clears throat> one night um, we were kind of, uh, it was our first show and we kind of got into the rave scene. We applied the rave scene to um, the music that we were playing. So, and this is kind of, it was kind of in the vein of like, I guess you would say system of a down meets tool um, with like, I guess if you're going to go current, it, I, would, I wouldn't say lamb of God because it wasn't like jiggity, jig, jiggy, like all chuggity and stuff. <laughs> but dude, it was just like, you know, uh, fuck man. Uh, jerky. I guess you'd say like, like the drops that like the Deftones have, like the, when they start like chugging the, away. <clears throat> yeah. You could say my sugar. Yeah. 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 You mean like so, my like, sugar. The Meshuggah, yeah, that, that kind yeah. of the jet, the jet movement, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. So we were like yeah. just you know playing nasty riffs, like odd time riffs, and I mean because we were so different, we got compared to the bands like System of a Down because it's like everyone was playing you know stompy Slipknot type of stuff, like or even like what what is it, um, Machine Head? I don't know what you guys know about like that kind of stuff, but yeah, just yeah. heavier, just heavier shit. We're not a yeah. we're not an Amish podcast. We're metalheads too. But yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's true. No, I, oh, yeah. I figured as much. Both of us come well, from I mean, metal bands. <laughs> okay, so well then, then yeah. uh, on your side, I mean, so then what? I mean, you guys have obviously had to experience some of this crazy shit too. I mean, you can't just like, you know, it's venues like bookers. I mean, you guys have done this shit too, right? Long enough. Yeah. 
I mean, we talk about that on a lot of episodes to bring it up. I mean, I mean, your your case when about like another band taking too much too much time when they weren't supposed to. We that's happened to us before. But like, yeah. you know, sometimes you have to eat the shit. It's like, well, out of respect for the, the headliner, we have had to take maybe a song or two out, knowing the fact that we only got a little bit of time. It depends on the show, but if it's somebody huge, yeah, we've got to fucking eat the shit and play. Yeah. But well, yeah, I mean, well we were I just a little bitter. That was all. Yeah, I wouldn't clock somebody for that, but yeah, some people just I don't know. <laughs> they they asked for it. <laughs> Yeah, he. I mean, Dubs. Dubs is not a violent person, not at all. But the dude poking him in the chest and or in the chest and, and the, being in his face, talking about you're a piece of shit. And I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I, I just don't. I don't degrade people. I don't. I don't. I'm not right. like going to sit here and be like, oh, this is the woke world. I'm just literally going to say that I don't believe in beating on people. Um, I don't believe in like the idea that that. You, you have to kick someone's ass to get the point across. Sometimes you can just talk to somebody, but this guy was not reasonable. You know, you, as soon as you start poking somebody, even even before the conversation really happens, it's like, you're a piece of shit. You said this, that, and the other. He's like, well, what I said was I felt it was disrespectful that you allowed somebody else to cut into our time, but now you cut our time because, you know, your guys, whoever was in charge, didn't make it happen. You know, it's just, uh, it's the shit that happens. You know, we played played plenty of festivals, music festivals, where you're like, "All right, well, you got a time slot. You either do your gig and get it over, <laughs> or you just don't play." Right. <laughs> and yeah. Get up, get the fuck off, or get on, get yeah. the fuck off. You know, any any yeah. other. Yeah, you can't. You know, I don't. So. Yeah, I don't like playing we, those kind. Of, what's that? No, no, no I'm listening. No, I I'm said I don't listening. like playing those kind of shows, but it makes sense because mm-hmm. you know, unless you're first. That's the best because you know you're you get there to the venue at a certain time, and then they, you know they do the ba- what I call the backward sound check where the main band goes first, <laughs> and, and then you're the last person, and it's cool because you just get your shit on there in due time, and then you can leave it before the show starts versus r- rushing off on and off. I don't. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, I don't know, that's the kind of shit I like, but I don't like being like the second band. I never really understood like venues that do sound checks. They do like the main band. And then they do like other bands in front of the main band, but then they make those people remove their shit off the stage. It's like, so <laughs> what was the point of the sound check? Because they have to set it all back up. Yep. I, I mean, I feel, they... I, I'm assuming, yeah, this is before presets. So I don't know how the, uh-huh. how they, you know, like, or you just like what they, I think they set, they write down the main band, their settings, and then everybody else, it's going to be like a scramble. So you won't sound as good as you did at sound check. <laughs> It's almost yeah. like you moved everything. All the mics and shit are going to eventually get moved. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't get it either, but somehow it works, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. All I can say is it's it, it's never the it's never a bad place to be the band before, you know, being supporting. That's, that's, that's always a good time. But I do agree with that. The first spot, I mean, if you can – by the second band, they typically have it dialed in, you know, if especially if you're able to share the same kit, like a good venue. Like right. that's what I like about the whiskey go go is they have a drum kit that's a good kit, and it's consistent and the mics are set up for it. They have the exact same mics. It's done the same way every night, and there's already a preset for it. So when we had gone out there, it was it was fun. Like got to tour the place and meet all the people and just kind of you know see the board and you know it's uh it's it's neat. It's neat to be able to talk to the engineer and not have it be like some guy in between you. You know you just literally could get to have that conver- that conversation. I don't know why, but like I assume this 
the roadies and staff look like all like Guns N' Roses, like the bleach blonde hair. They've all screwed guys. <laughs> I don't know why. I just think like that the venue's trapped in time. Is it, is that what they look like? I'm not sure. I, I I've never asked that before. You, I mean, you no know people what? that they, play there. Yeah. There's um. They've got one dude, Jake, who does all the booking. What's and he look Mikey, like? Um, I don't know, five eleven, skinny, not okay. long hair dude at all. Yeah. Okay. Like, <laughs> Yeah, like he he looks. I don't want to say like a normal dude, but like he right. looks like a ball cap, jeans, t-shirt, skinny dude. You know, no right. long hair at all, but a super good guy. Um, Mikey's uh, Mikey's the boss. Um, and honestly, you tote your own shit. That's I, I've never seen. I mean, maybe for certain bands, they're like, hey, listen, we need some people to help out. But for the most part, man, you do it all your own. We played. Uh, I mean, we played with Edema that night. We played out there, and. Um, they uh they did you know they only had their roadies yeah. yeah there wasn't there wasn't much of anything going on yeah stage stuff it's just the the uh, um front of house guy and then the monitor guy so those two guys will help you out but both those guys short-haired dudes yeah. knowledgeable though <laughs> yeah Fast. no yeah, it's always it's there. always good it's always good when you get like the two sound guys like the the good venues have two sound guys obviously yeah and then, like but you know that's the that's in the within the budget, but then you're just gonna have the, club, <laughs> the clubs with just yeah. one guy and like, you know that's that's all it is, just one guy. You got two, he's got two twelves and 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 maybe one fifteen. You're like, you know what? I'm gonna crush this shit. I'm just gonna, I'm going in, right? You know, I mean, let's see how this night turns out. How weird's it gonna get? I've done small venues. I mean, shoot. Oh my God, I'm sure you guys have bumped into this where you pull up. We played this place down in Fort uh Fort Lauderdale. And it was it could have been a cool little venue, but they had this little nook. But they were like, All right, well, who's got PA? And they're like, Well, the venue should have PA. Man, they had 112, no stand. The microphone was a 58, but it had a six-foot cable that was connected to the wall. Okay. So <laughs> And the drum kit, so then they're like, oh, yeah, we got a house drum kit. Uh-huh. Oh, heavens. Whoever hit this thing literally was like, fuck this thing. And then they just beat the shit out of it. It was duct taped. It had one leg. So then you had to put your guitar amp in front of that. And good luck for playing, really. And, uh, yeah, so hmm. just, just you know, if I can say anything, guys, gals out there, whatever it is, bring your own fucking PA invest in it. You know, and always or always call ahead, call the venue, find out what they've got, find out what you need, and always bring what you use. Like bring your own microphones, bring your own like cables sometimes, bring extra cables. Cause you never know. I mean, you guys know shit. We've been doing this long enough to say, listen, carry a gig bag. You don't want to have a musical nightmare, carry extra shit. Do yourself the favor. <laughs> like well, I'm personally never like gone on tour. Again, weekend warrior shit so like i'm assuming you have toured like the united states correct i've brought my guitar places um i've lived in las vegas i've played in la vegas i've played new york mm. uh, i played in different places you know um i i've i've lived a, a really great and cool life i'll say that it's been interesting because most of for most of it i've been freelance you know um mm. kind of doing stagehand stuff like as of like 2008 um i've been doing a lot of stage handing so working for the unions in uh different cities so i worked a little bit with local one up in new york 702 in vegas 
321 in Tampa. I mean, all the different ones. Wherever I've lived, I've pretty much tried to just work with the unions because the work is great. It's relatively consistent, especially if you live in a place that has uh, conventions and such, mm. you know, and you make good money. You know, I mean, you're making $25 to $30 an hour, sometimes more if you're a board op or have a specialty like lighting, uh, you know, or do a show call. You know, so if there's any, if anybody listens and is looking to try to do different shit, you don't have to go get a job at a restaurant. Go be a fucking stagehand. Learn the game. Talk to the musicians that I mean, because I work at Janice Landing up in St. Pete on and off. And I've been doing it for years. I'm friends with everybody that works there. I know the promoters that do it all. And the reason why is because I've been working there as a stagehand, you know, and then you just get respect and then you start seeing all these musicians and all the techs that work around. So even if you don't play music for the rest of your life, but you want to be around it, I mean, shit, man, you can be an engineer. But mm -hmm. that's kind of what I did was I, I went to school for a little while, um, applied what I know based on just sound and writing music and composition and what a mix sounds like naturally. So I went to school for for a live sound reinforcement and you know, recording and such. So I was like, all right, well, this is going to be different. Um, you know, DAWs as opposed to like um, uh, analog gear, you know, and then I moved out to Vegas in 2010 and I was there for two years, worked in a number of the different hotels and casinos and theaters. And a whole time I was just writing records and releasing electronic music because out there, um, unless you're a band like Spirit World, which if y'all ain't heard about them yet, check them out nasty heavy and super good and Stu the guy that fronts that band is just a fucking stand up guy absolute stand up guy I wonder um, I wonder if Spirit Box Spirit Box is going to fight them for their name <laughs> uh, you know I, I think they might lose <laughs> that might be a losing battle right there because Spirit World is nasty uh, like it's it's it's, some it's like I didn't book stuff. you I, I booked you with the band with the girl oh that's Spirit World oops yeah I get confused oops. that'd be confusing yeah. <laughs> right they're like all of a sudden this is way heavier than we thought it was going to be right yeah they're actually uh, going on tour with Sepultura I think it's Creator oh, nice. and like three or four other bands yeah serious metal tour it's great for them so you you're know, basically it's, it's... our first uh, roadie in a way like I know you're in a band but you're also like yeah. a road crew guy I'm yeah, I'm a stagehand. I do, I've been doing stage, like I said, since 2008. And that's mm. when I went up that summer, uh, July of uh, 2008, worked with Local One and was throwing cable, building building Broadway shows. That's what I did for that summer. Nice. And um, when I moved back down to Florida after that, got in with a production company that just happened to be in Ybor City. And I was like, hey, what do I got to do to get on this gig? And they're like, mm. swing by this office, fill out the paperwork, and then you're in. So... I did that. Then I got, you know, over time, uh, I got into the sales side of it, you know, and I started selling, you know, releasing gear to, you know, uh, festivals and, and corporate events and all this other stuff through this company that I was doing stage handing. So I just grew through it, you know, over time. And then COVID hit. Oh, sorry, 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 oh, sorry. The, the right. beast hit. So, okay. so, so, so we got, so we got stuck with some stuff for a minute there, as we all know. And, um, well, I so, got so well, hold on. So before you get into the, the beast era of what happened your trip, so like what's a typical like nightmare scenario is as far as like being a stagehand goes? Oh, like any man. kind of stories? Uh, like Yeah, you want some? Yeah. Yeah, here you go. Here yeah. you go. So um we got a buddy of ours, um, older cat named Gypsy. And <laughs> one day in the back of the back of the fifty three foot trailer, so we used to build stages, stage roof, the full concert production. Well, some some uh 
some people like to do things a little bit differently than others will say. And my man threw a cross brace down the back of a truck that bounced off of something else, came back and shattered his all of his teeth out of his mouth and just blood everywhere. Mm. Yeah, on a gig. Like we're wrapping up, everything's supposed to be good, and it just shatters all of his teeth at the end of the gig. Yikes. Um, so that was one. I guess um, that's a work related like accident. I don't really necessarily oh, music, but yeah, I get it. Uh, yeah, wow. so that was that was a good one. Um, as far let's see. Uh any uh, shoot, man. Yeah, any cool bands that you've had to do the sound or excuse me, yeah, stage hand yeah. for anything cool? Yeah, absolutely. Like that? I got to do lights. I don't know if you guys are into like old school hip hop, like eighties and such. So I got to do lights for the sugar Hill gang. I did lights mm -hmm. for modest Yahoo. I did lights for, um, shoot. Who else was on that tour with sugar Hill? Uh, not Cameron, uh, the scorpion. Um, shoot, man, I'm trying to remember, but it was a whole, it was a whole like eighties tour of like good hip hop. So I ran lights for them. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, yeah, you, I think I'm going along with the question here. Um, and uh, I've got to work. Actually, some of the nicest guys, man, um, and, and and gals that I've ever worked with. Tony fucking Danza. I swear to God. I worked the real, with him. I the real it. one, not the, the band? The real. No, okay. the real Tony Danza <laughs> is one of the nicest guys you will ever meet in your entire oh, life. Nice. For real. See, so what he did was it was basically the the Tony Danza extravaganza. So it's a legit thing. Like he does a song and dance, tells jokes and stories about how he came up and his mom being his biggest supporter and how she turned him on to music and song and dance. And, and he's, I mean, when he was walking off stage, I was standing side stage. I said, thank you, Mr. Danza. He's like, Hey kid, Hey, thank you very much. I was <laughs> like, you know what? I was like, every dream I could have ever had about you being any kind of way, just fulfilled. You're one of the nicest guys in the world. Even when they're doing sound check, he was like, hey, you guys, hey, let's let's take it back. I think it's, I think we can do it better. <laughs> and all the guys are like, you know what, Tony? You're the truth. And, and that was what it was, man. It was awesome. Nice. He's a sweetheart of a guy. Don Rickles, I worked with him in Las Vegas. Um, great guy. You know, God bless Don Rickles. What a sweet guy. Jokes, even off stage, <laughs> he was he was a hundred percent. He was always on. Um, man, I worked with uh, I worked with Rick Thomas. Oh, listen to this. You want a, you want a fucking great story? So, sure. um, so here you go. This is this involves tigers. So Rick Thomas is a magician out in Las Vegas. Big. He was a really good friend of Siegfried and Roy. So uh, Rick got into tigers as well. So he had like four or five of them when he wound up doing the show at the uh, at Planet Hollywood. In what was called the uh, the V Theater, big big spot. So one day, one of the uh, I, every morning I would go in and I would fire up the, the sound system. I'd play music through it, and it would be something different every day. But once I realized that all the dancers and the entertainers were stretching on the main stage before before the show and all, I was like, all right, well, hey, you know, what what do y'all want to hear? You know, what can what can I do? like just play something upbeat? So one day I played the Beastie Boys. They lost it. They loved the whole time. I mean, who who hates the Beastie Boys? You're you're un-American and you're not a musician if you don't love the Beastie Boys. Just my standpoint. Yeah. So I play the Beastie Boys and they're just all having a good time. Well, the, the lead the lead dancer to it, um, I forget what her name is at this point. This is a minute ago. And uh so she was just being rude, saying, Oh, this music is terrible, and then yet everybody else having the time of their lives dancing swing dancing on the stage I and mean, just doing their thing 
So she throws a fit. So I'm like, all right, you know what? I'll change the music. You know, it's just a little bit more accommodating. I didn't want to upset the superstar, you know? Huh. So uh, changed the music and everyone's like, yeah, whatever, you know? And then they all come up to me after the, after, you know, warmups and they're like, Hey, listen, you know, we're sorry that it happened like that. We have a good time. It's just, everyone's different. I said, yeah, I don't take it personally. She's the star of the show. That's the way it goes. So we're all backstage now. We're waiting with Rick. We're talking. We're going over the show because you always do a pre and you do a little high five, you know, let's go kick some ass. Well, um, the cat was behind the curtain. And, um, well, this girl, she was still throwing her shit fit. Not sure why. Um, just, I guess she really didn't like the song, which I don't, I don't remember what it was. But anyway, so uh, Rick pulls the... Rick pulls the curtain <laughs> wide open and that girl is standing right in front of that, that cat's cage. And let's just say she was bathed and it was the wildest and craziest thing I had ever seen. I was like, that cat just did that. Cause that cat knew that that person was mean. <laughs> and that was uh, yeah. I, I'd like, I don't know how explicit I can get, you know, sure. but basically you know it's she she wasn't happy and the cat was well by the time it's all done that fucking terrifying i don't care it is <laughs> like yeah. yeah fuck that dude yeah i mean it's uh you know it's it's just wild animals animals know animals know people better than people know people i i have a firm believer in that yeah they sense evil so back to the evil so i mean you obviously kept busy for a while and then like basically when the lockdown happened like i'm what did you do during that i mean because it sounds like that's a lot of your income things closed you know 100 percent. yeah i um well i've been doing so all right when i left excuse me wrong pipe um when i left um so to kind of go the story so i moved to las vegas in in 2010 left in 2012 Mm -hmm. um just everybody that I knew was leaving. Um, so then I was like, all right, well, I'm going to bounce out. So I moved back to New York. I was there for about four years till 2016. Um, and then when I moved back down in 2016, my best friend Ray for 25 years, we're still friends till you know, I talked to him actually a little while before I got up on the phone with you guys. Um, uh, I've been doing pool design. I do custom pool design. So it's so basically uh, when everything happened and shut down, um, I just wound up going and sitting in the office for a little bit during the day and kind of answering phones, doing a corporate job. Um, mm-hmm. It was the only thing that was available outside of working in a restaurant. And I had just, I was burnt out on working in a pizzeria. I've been doing that since I was 15. So it's like, I just didn't, I wasn't feeling that at that time. And then when Ray was like, yo, dude, listen, I could use somebody in the office to answer phones and do designs. So he's like, I'll pay you. So, for the last three years, that's what I've been doing. And then just this last Friday, um, I, I stepped away from the company. I'm still doing designs, but I'm not in the office. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm back to, I realized I, I was, I was happy making money, but I was unhappy not being able to live my life. And, and honestly, the freelance side of it as a stagehand doing these things gave me and gives me the freedom to do these things. So it just kind of, I was at a point and, you know, it was just time. It was just time. So now I'm back to stage handing, back to the union, um, doing things in a different way. So that's what's 
gives me the amenity to travel. So this July, I've already got the trip booked. I'm heading to Europe for a month, bringing a guitar with me. Um, and I've reached out to the venues there. Whether I get to play this time around or not, doesn't really matter. I just want them to see me there. I want to put my band stickers all over these cities. I'm in Milan for a week. Then I'm in Tuscany for a week. I'm heading up to Switzerland to go to H.R. Geiger's museum at some point. And then I'm going to go up to, uh, to Amsterdam and just bring a guitar, say hello to people and put my stickers around and see if somebody lets me do an opening slot. I can play an open mic somewhere. There you go. Play an open mic somewhere. You know, I just want to play. That's all it is. I just want to fucking play music. Yeah. At the, end of, at the end of the day, it just it's what feels good. I mean, you know, you have it's the best relationship I believe that any one of us that's a musician has ever had. It's the longest one that we've ever had. You know. Yeah. So, uh, what's your? How many uh, members are in your current band? Two. So I two I write. Ev- yeah, oh. I write everything. Uh, Jamie, oh. Jamie just um, goes in and drops the bass. And throws it down on there man um oh. he just yeah it's it's a it's a it's a different way um only because i i've been writing music for a while and i've got you know three albums worth of stuff already out you know if it's not out it's it's all in reserve right now so i've got an ep uh, we've got an ep coming out uh this coming week next week um three songs it's called moments in time uh it'll be obviously on all the different streaming platforms and all um but it's three distinctively different songs from a time period of my life that I got to write those songs in. So, and it's just, uh, it's just something, something for the people, you know? So mm. I, yeah, I do, I do the writing. Jamie just trusts me to, to write. And, you know, it's, uh, it's like a mixture of, of different folk and indie. Um, and it's funny because it started out, like I started playing acoustic guitar playing like slow like sludgy kind of like um <laughs> you know in the vein of uh, i hate to use the word sludge with this band but like i hate god you know um you know crowbar if you will like sludgy shit heavy brom drum you know like just real doomy stuff you know yeah. uh weed eater sleep bands like that you know and then i was like all right well i can do this and i can play really fast you know, it doesn't sound good, but it's really fast, thrashy stuff. Like, you know, like it would be like some napalm shit or some industrial, like, you know, just getting it, yeah. you know. Um, but now I was like, all right, well, if the power ever goes out, I can't play. So then I picked up an acoustic and then I had a job. Funny enough, I uh, when I was living in New York, I got a job at Al Jazeera America. So I was doing audio there for a while. Um, and that's when I can honestly say I learned how to play guitar. Um, and then I'll tell, also tell you the catalyst for that too. So at Al Jazeera, we would just do live broadcasts for the most part, unless there, uh, like, you know, we had a schedule, you know, but then if there was, unless there was some sort of a crisis, we wouldn't, there wouldn't be anything else to do. So I would work maybe, I mean, I I would say 30 minutes a day, just put a microphone on somebody in an in-ear piece, change their batteries here and there. You know what I mean? But the rest of the time. Everybody there was a musician of some sort. They could sing, guitar, bongos, bass guitar, cellist, flutist, whatever. They were a musician. So here's everybody sitting around playing, and I'm not good at all. Right? I'm talking horrible shit show. Don't know my Ashman elbow chord-wise. Can't put anything together because I just don't know what I don't know. And then I learned that I didn't know. So they're learning... They're all playing Hotel California, and I'm over here like, um, y'all are moving way too fast. So every day 
when I wasn't on live air, I would just play. I would sit with everybody and just watch their hands and learn how to play. Then I picked up Ultimate Guitar Tab, and that's how I learned how to play guitar. Mm. And this just like hanging out. More, it was more recent than you learned, is what you're saying. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is more in the way of like 2014 when okay. I really was like, boom, here's my acoustic guitar. And then I would go home after work and I would just play for hours. And I wasn't trying to to read tab or fingers and, and and learn all the technicals. I just wanted to learn how to play. Just look, just let me play some chords, learn some songs. And then um, that's what got me into playing covers. And that's when Jamie, my bass player now, he heard me write an original song. And from that moment when I was doing a day where I was doing covers, he's like, I want to play music with you. And it was fucking cool. But now there's some fucking, there's some weird shit to that. Okay. So Jamie, like this is gonna blow people's minds. So everyone's gonna be like this bullshit. Um, that's <laughs> fine. This is, this is I'm serious. It's just wildest shit. I wish Jamie was on right now, but he's he's just doing his own thing right now. Um, but anyway, so <clears throat> Jamie and I were working at the union. Um, you know, before the beast and everything. Then uh, we were sitting there talking. We're like, you know what? He's like, I'm a bass player. I was like, well, I play drums. That's great. And uh, and so, like, all right, well, now we're kind of a talking rhythm section. So then we find out that, you know, we know some of the same people from New York. And, but we can't recognize each other, right? I'm like, I don't, I don't, who, what circles? Like, how do we, maybe we bumped into each other somewhere, somehow. So anyway, we get to, we get to wrapping up the night and we're like, yo, you know what? You're cool. You're cool. Why don't we try and make some music? And we're like, all right, well, I was like, I live on Arlington, you know? And he's like, well, I live on Arlington. I was like, I live near the hospital. He's like, I live on the other side of Tuttle. So my man literally lives six minutes away from me. Mm. Okay. Never met him. Never seen him before ever. And then at this point, we're like, all right, well, that's cool. We're even closer. And that's, that's great. So uh, I'm like, well, give me your number. I'll call your phone. That way we can just do this right here. So I'm dialing it. His name and phone number are already in my phone. I'm calling him on stage, wrapping up pipe and all. And he has my name and my phone number and all my information in his phone. I was like, dude, I don't know how this happened, but me and you were obviously supposed to be friends and doing something musical because I don't know how else in the world you would have my stuff. I, yeah. I call that, I call that serendipity. Right. <laughs> it's something brother, because it was wild. I was like, yo, I've never had that happen to me before where somebody's got my name and number and I've never met them, but, I got their stuff too. Mm. This shit happens sometimes. So I was going to say, so like during the, the beast and the lockdown, did you write any music during that? I mean, did it keep you? I sane? did. Yeah. I mean, I that's did. all I wrote most a, people I, could do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's see when March, when it, when, when in March, we'll call it. Yeah. Um, so that's when I got laid off. And at that point, yeah, all I really did was just, Work during the day. I come home and I would just crush. Um, I got I delved really deeply into the blues and also too I started traveling more because it was cheaper. I was going back and forth to New Orleans every. I, I've been going to New Orleans since two thousand since June of two thousand five. Every three months I go for like four or five days. Why, um, New, people or, why me, New Orleans? Can I ask why they're just one? Oh, man, um, I love the way I feel. I love the people. I love the culture. Mm. Um, I, I love history and that place is. As a, a very special, old as balls. special place in my heart. Yeah, it's yeah. old, man. It's old. It's not. It's not America. That place is. 
is is a it's a spirit all of its own mm. um and and new orleans will either eat you up or it will give you the world and that is a fact and you just be careful where you go around there be careful what you say keep your eyes out just be aware it's one of those places where if you just got to be aware man know how to talk uh know how to treat people be very respectful always be respectful there um, and honestly, I've written songs about New Orleans because of the experiences that I've had there. And I just had a recent experience too, kind of an eye-opening moment. Like I'm, uh, I'm glad that I've been there and I've got friends in these places that, you know, um, cause they, I, there was two guys I was, here's a, here's a story. Here's New Orleans story. Um, I have a good friend of mine, Joe, that lives there. I stay with him every time I've known, I, uh, <laughs> it's a funny story how I met him too. Um, but I've been I've known Joe now 13, 14 years. Uh, we met in New Orleans. I was living in Vegas. He was living in Utah. And I was in New Orleans with a friend of mine. And uh, she had said to me, where do you think you'll meet somebody cool? And I said, well, there's a place right here called the Beer Gun with huge ass beers. I was like, if anywhere I'm gonna meet some cool people, this is the place. So we went in there. And uh, yeah, come to find out there was Joe. We did a superhero high five, which is where you run at each other and jump up in the air and high five each other. Been best friends ever since. So that tells you the story about Joe, and that tells you how I'm how I make friends with people. <laughs> we'll just high five. I need to I need to try that move, but I'll probably get punched in the face <laughs> instead. No, no, it, it always <laughs> works. Just always look at the elbow. Just look at <laughs> just look okay. at the elbow. Um. To, so yeah, do you have to try it? Do it. I'm telling have to you. Try you, it at you, our ice cream parlor. See what happens. Ah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, it's a superhero high five. Yeah. So Joe lends me his guitar every time I go to New Orleans. So I always have one there. I don't have to bring one with me. Um, this time around, um, my shoes were a little too clean. And uh, I was on the side of uh, the St. Louis, Louis Cathedral down by Jackson Square. And uh, I was just hanging out along the wall. Um, I had my backpack with me, the guitar, but my, my shoes were just a little too clean. And, uh, these two guys walked up. One was the mouthpiece. One was the muscle. That's, it's just like you would hear it in any kind of story, you know? And uh, I was sitting there. Uh, I had forgotten. I forgot the fucking rules, man. Uh, that's, I what's, forgot the fucking what's the rules. rules. Spit on your shoes. Um, no, man, if you, if you got, if you got something that's worth something to somebody, you might. They might take you get, it from you. You get robbed, huh? Oh. Yeah, you get rolled in that city. You yeah. got to watch out. What, and then you got to know what you're saying. You got to know how you're talking to people and the way. And it's you got to know your way around. Yeah. And like I said, I've been going there since 2005. So I've got friends in the east. I got friends in um, uptown uh, in the CBD, which is Central Business District. I've got friends in the Seventh Ward. We call it the Seventh. You know, I got friends in the Ninth. So. You know, when you go there, um, it helps to not be like, oh, and then someone's like, hey, you know, well, where do you stay? You're like, oh, well, you know, I'm like, uh, don't fucking worry about it. That's my answer. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. As you can, it, that's what causes conflict. That oh. city is. Yeah, it's, it's different, man. It's a different kind of machine. It's a very different kind of machine. Like kindness goes a long way. It's what do they say? You, you get them with honey. And you're turning with sugar or something like that. I don't know. It's there's some sort of like an old uh, like Confucius say type of thing, you know? Isn't it's that like, Def Leppard song? No. <laughs> no. 
catch catch more flies with honey. There you go. That's oh, so the, gotcha. the phrase is you catch more flies with honey. So yeah, but there especially, man, because the river ain't far from it, it's not far. You know what I mean? So that's why I say, you know, it's there's a song I wrote called The Gallery. And it's about, you know, about the city of New Orleans and, you know, the different things that you'll see and you'll hear. I mean, I was on Bourbon Street about 930 at night for Halloween and some kid got tackled and his gun goes flying off of his waistband. I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to kind of skate over this way and go do something else. Right. You know, so, yeah, it's a different it's a different but it's beautiful. That's just it, man. Like if you get a chance to go, go enjoy yourself. Stay off of Bourbon Street after 10 o'clock at night. That's that's yeah, advice. That's always the usual time for most of it. Now I had a cousin that used to live there and he said it was so awesome, but he lives in Arizona now, somewhere out there. Oh, whereabouts? But, uh, oh I'm I'm trying to remember if it's Arizona or New Mexico. I don't Ooh, know. Other, other than it's like some kind of like <laughs> it's like some sort of resort and he works for like the bar area and they since like nobody lives out there, they actually it's a his work excuse me the housing's included with his job because like it's like in the middle of nowhere that's uh, rich heck yeah that's yeah, he, awesome he enjoys it he's a he's kind of a he's kind of like you he likes to travel but uh no i had something else before i was gonna say before that damn it oh uh, lost sorry it. man <laughs> that's all good we'll just hit the rails and you know it's, yeah I, it, was, I, it was before i said something about my cousin and then oh well damn it <laughs> Uh, oh well yeah, there's so many stories man i mean i i've seen you know it's uh shit man okay funny funny story here you go you want a funny story sure. um so there's this place called the ritz in ybor city and a lot of bands go there uh, a lot of not great nationals so this one night the deftones were playing and across the street from there is a place called the reservoir bar dive bar right it's owned by it was owned by you know god bless him benny paul um so mm. he was part owner in the business and uh, so after the show, all those guys pull over. Everybody but Chino pulls up. Um, and, uh, you know, it was Frank, Frank and Stefan and, um, at, uh, and Sergio were sitting at the table. And I'm at the bar. Um, but the crowd of all of our all the stagehands were over there. Right. And, uh, you know, Abe pulls up, you know, the drummer from Deftones. He walks up behind me, turn around. I'm like, oh, hey, what's happening? He's like, hey, how's it going, man? I'm like, oh, all is well. So first interaction with the dude, right? Fast forward, like to 2011, I'm at Nam out in LA at the Anaheim there. And I'm wandering through the drum section. Who do I want to bumping into? It was fucking Abe and Sergio from the Deftones. I, wa- I, I walk up to Abe and I'm like, how you been? He's like, bro, how you been? I was like, I was like, I ain't seen you in a minute. And he's like, I ain't seen you in a minute. He's like, what was that? Like fucking, what was that, Tampa? I was like, you actually fucking remember that shit? You know what I mean? Like just, just really weird shit. Like Bruce Springsteen is like that too. Like that's just a weird story. Like it's just a happenstance. Like what the fuck? How do you remember that, man? I don't now, remember breakfast. That, right now, my now comes the subject of what I think you might look like, get based on your voice. And I think of I'm, I got two subjects, two people in mind. You either look like Ray Liotta, or you look like the dad from Home Alone, only a younger. <laughs> version <laughs> <laughs> um shoot i wouldn't even know who i look like um so i'm off gosh. i thought yeah so I no, I, all right well no. i'm gonna ask if you can turn your camera on real quick so i can see you and then you can turn it off 
See if I was correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on one second. Let me, yeah. uh, let me see here. All right. What's happening? You look like Brandon. Know, can you see me? You look uh, like Brandon. Lights. I say Brandon looks like, like everybody. No, you totally don't look like who I thought you did. Totally, totally different see? dude. Look at that. See? All right. Look at that. What's up, guys? Where's, where's, <laughs> where's Brandon at? That is Brandon. I don't know. I never turned mine on because of the camera. Oh, like, oh okay. All right. Oh, what's up, Brandon? How you doing, buddy? It's good to see you finally. <laughs> see, if I turn mine on, it looks like this. Hold on, hold on. Uh, see, my, see, that's all you get. Whoa. Yo, <laughs> you're literally something out of like, what is that? Phantom of the Opera. Whoa. <laughs> I turned into, cool. into Jesus. <laughs> Your own personal. You know, you're not who I thought you were. <laughs> no, I'm not who I th you thought I was thinking that I am right now. I mean, no. you you look like you you you, you look like a stagehand. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I I, I wear black mostly all black clothes. It kind of comes right. with it, and I'm wearing my my glasses right now so I can read things. Um, yeah, but that helps. Yeah, it does. At a certain point in time, you're just like <laughs> shit. I need glasses. Like you literally, because I used to, I, I I haven't been so much, but I write a lot of electronic music, kind of in the way of like Massive Attack, Tricky, uh, Thievery Corporation, some jazzy stuff, like down tempo, trip hop stuff. Um, so for years I was writing this and I would, my peak hours for writing were be between like three and seven o'clock in the morning. So I got the lights out, headphones on, and I'm deep, like deep in music, staring at a computer screen, not using blue light blocking glasses. So I burnt out a lot of my retinas because of that. So now I have to wear glasses because I can't read shit up close. Huh. That's a, I guess that's a good uh, warning for everybody. Like, make sure you pay, protect your eyes when you're working on a late night project. For real. <laughs> yeah. 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 And the glasses yeah, I have now you. block out blue light. You have to, man. I mean, you, no one, no one told us, but they also weren't using computers. You know what I mean? So we're yeah. we're in a different era where it's like, all right, shit. Now we're learning. We're the test cases for all these people. You know, my dumbass. They sent me a laser pointer, and I was <clears> I had my glasses on. I was like, this motherfucker's not working. Everyone's like laughing at me. They're like, yes, it is. So I took the glasses off, and I could see it. It was blue, but because it was blue, my glasses actually did make it to where I couldn't see the blue light. Wow, that's so like, see, well, that's working. They work. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely work. I mean, I, I wish I knew about shit. it. Yeah. Oh, it'll be a game changer. I mean, even if you're looking at an iPad, your phone, there's a lot of blue light that's coming through it. You just don't know. And especially if you stare at it a lot, it's just burning away, man. Yeah. Gnarly. There's, there's a musical story. There's some, there, there you go, kids. There's a learning lesson. We, we did, your uncles did it for you. We're, we're over here sacrificing our eyes and all of our limbs and shit just so you guys can, gals can go out there and, not have to fuck around and find out. Right. I said that's why I was getting migraines, but then over the last couple of years, they figured out there's other reasons why I get migraines. It's not because of the blue light, but I do have special blue light reducing glasses. So there's that. <laughs> huh? Are you married? That's usually a leading cause in headaches too. Yeah. <laughs> you, got, you got kids? That's yep. another leading cause of headaches too. I mean, shit, dude, you're, look at you. You're going to AARP over here in like a minute, brother. He's falling apart. <laughs> oh my yeah. goodness don't don't fall apart on us please we need you we need you <laughs> so uh my my old ass body says otherwise but yeah <laughs> that's all right can you still do a cartwheel 
uh, if I want to break a hip. Oh, oh, ah, practice makes perfect. Just do it in the pool. I just started physical therapy last week, so there's that. <laughs> Is that real talk? That's real talk, huh? Yeah. For oh, my wow. neck. I have neck issues, apparently. I have degenerative neck. I was like, <laughs> I keep thinking of the old wrestling thing, Degeneration X. They're like, you have degeneration in your neck. I was like, the X is in my neck doing crotch chops yes. with people. <laughs> all that, all that fucking head banging. All yeah. that head banging. Yeah. That's what I said. I was like, it's all the head banging from all the metal band shit. That, uh... you're, it affected yeah. your head. You didn't get a fucking fat neck like Corpse Grinder or whatever. No, I just have degeneration and it. it's like falling apart. <laughs> well, I, I can tell you this that if there's anything I can recommend, like when they, what it's called, um, it's called a rack. It's called racking. It's when they pull the back, the, the lower part of your head. And it kind of feels like it's separating from the rest of your spine. That shit is amazing. Oh, um, and they like, oh, the chiropractor does it. Yes, yeah, yeah but they, they got of... this like little like rope tuggy, like like almost like yeah. a slingshot. <laughs> yeah, I've seen picture video of it. I don't think mine does that. I've had my neck there. cracked by a chiropractor, and they're actually this therapist. They're like pushing and pulling on my head from my neck Ooh. and everything. It feels strange, but. Apparently it's it's doing something I don't know. Well, <laughs> right. I'll tell you what I'll send you I'll send you uh, a link um, off of when we when we get off and everything. Um, my um, physical therapist recommended this thing. It looks like a, a, a butt cheek. It looks like a set of butt cheeks, right? <laughs> it looks like or it looks like boobs. There you go. It looks like boobs, and there it's this little red pillow that sits at the base of your neck. So where your your skull and the rest of everything else kind of connect. Um, it sits right there and it alleviates any tension and it kind of gives you a resting point because there's two little nodes and I don't know how metaphysical and spiritual you guys get, but those nodes are a gateway to the metaphysical world and the spiritual world. So if those are clouded, your your your, your communication is clouded as well. So if, if you also have any stresses there, it, it helps to alleviate those stresses. Um, I, I highly recommend it. I'll, like I said, I'll send it to you. Um, mm -hmm. I bought one and I use it. I highly recommend it. I actually think I know what right you're now? talking about. I've seen, I've seen them before. Yeah, I recommend it for real. Like it's, it's helped me. I was in a car accident last January, not this one, but prior, and uh, it's, um, yeah, it was a good one. I got rear-ended. Um, his airbag deployed, uh, so he hit me hard enough to deploy his airbag, but it, um, it jerked my neck because my head was turned a certain turn to the left. And it threw me back in my seat, so it pinched a lot of the stuff on the left side. So I've had to do, you know, physical therapy stuff. I can't compare it to what you're going through. I don't know what you, you know, your pains are and your tolerances and such. But I, I can say that I feel you, brother, and and I, I really do hope that you feel better because fuck pain in the neck and in the head, it all sucks, man. That's yeah. just terrible. I don't. I wouldn't call it like pain. It's just I don't know. I always just wrote, chalked it off to getting older, and these doctors keep telling me that try this i was like it's just me getting older They're like no you have issues i was like eh, whatever i'm not the person who <laughs> go to doctors so i just for the last few months i've written it off and now they've made me pretty much have to go here so i have like 13 sessions i have to do mm. uh, we'll see what happens i don't yeah you i don't foresee it dude. yeah i don't foresee it really correcting my other issues but we'll see yeah, well, if anything, I just hope you feel better. The other issues, yeah. you know, let that them be figured. But yeah, just just feel better, dude. Fuck, like good sleep. Get a bamboo pillow. If I can tell you anything, that's if you want to help your neck, 
for some reason, some way, man, there's the, one of the greatest things I've ever bumped into was a band. I always pillow. see those. I always see those at the flea market, and I think I think they're bull. I would think they're bullshit, but I never buy them, so I don't know. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'll tell you firsthand. They stay cool. So if you like a cool pillow, um, yeah. like like you know, temperature wise. Go with the bamboo. It stays super cool, like bamboo sheets. Like your sleep will help with your neck, especially the pillows, man. Just get to get like one or two bamboo pillows. You'll fucking sleep like a king. Oh, <laughs> game changer. Man, listen, as much time as I spend sleeping or we all spend sleeping, it's got to be like you're sitting on a porcelain fucking the perfect toilet. You know what I mean? Like you almost want it to be one of those kind that goes when you sit on it, but you don't because you know somebody else's sweaty ass has been on it. But you want that <laughs> yep. for your sleep. You just want to fucking feel like you're the king of your shit, and that's where you're at, you know? Yeah. Eventually, I'll have to buy another pillow because I have a big fucking Mr. potato size head. So <laughs> <laughs> a lot, There's a that... lot in this brain going on. There's a lot of brains, but not very. I'm not a very brilliant guy, so whatever. <laughs> you're running shit. That's all. It, hey, you run shit behind the scenes, and sometimes that's the best place to be, man. Uh, not always, but depending on the what it is. So yeah, touche, so, uh, touche. I'm trying to think. So I've, I had a question about like your roadie stuff, your stagehand. So on mm-hmm. a typical day, what would uh, what would you be doing? Like, yeah, I want to hear like your schedule of like a roadie day. Yeah, roadie day. Uh, roadie day at at uh, at Janice is, you know, honestly pretty standard. The stage is already built in. Sound system is already right. there um lighting trust most i mean the lighting's already in everything's in it's already set up um but in most cases depending on the size of the production you know uh we do hammer fall which last time they were in town they brought uh, that band actually hammer yeah damn i heard hammer fall huge fucking like the whole fucking get up stage up shit oh it's huge it is it's fucking massive it's like they got a giant tank that encompasses the drum kit and every time the the double bass kicks it like sends out this like boom 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 through all the can through the through the fucking cannon itself it's mm. sick lights go off it's it's bananas it's one of the best stage productions and it's awesome yeah so basically we would unload all their stuff bring it in um or we get there hang out for about an hour everyone shows up high fives hugs and then you know say how you doing because some of a lot of the some of them if not all of them wind up going out on tour so then it's just another group of our friends that come in. And so we all know each other because we've all been doing production for years together. Yeah. So, oh, hi, Hems. Um, so then uh, we hang out do the work that unload the trucks. And then we set the stage. They start pointing and clicking and telling us where they want what to be set up. You know, in most cases, they'll plug all of it in unless it's power. Uh, mm-hmm. But they know how everything's going to be patched. And I mean, some of some companies do their you know, they've been all working together for years. So they're a machine. All yeah. they want you to do is just put their put their stuff on stage where they need it and they just tell you to walk away and they patch everything. Now that's a perfect day. It doesn't yeah. always happen like that. How how long you does a, how long does a perfect day take? Like how long would that take there, what you just said? Oh man, if if the guys are running it, I mean we can have everything done in two hours. Okay. Quick. Cool. You know, yeah. pretty quick. So, um, so we would do that for about two, um, and then we hang out. We wait for sound check, and then once the band is ready, they do sound check, and that usually happens, you know, after we load in all the uh, openers. So we set all their gear aside, and then we sound check the national, um, or you know, the head of the tour, and just backline everybody else. Mm. Nice. Yep. 
first band comes up, do them, take their stuff down, bring up the second band, and it's it's a it's a moving machine. Everybody knows what their job is, um, and yeah, you know you know what's good. And so then, I, uh, yeah. So then, okay. after the yeah. the, the headline, once, <laughs> yeah, once the headliner's done, we tear their stuff down, um, and we try to load all the bands after they're done. So to load all their gear, unless they're all on the same 53 footer, uh, we try to load their their trailer or their whatever it is that they brought their gear in. We try to get those bands out of the way so that we can tear the headliner down. Because in some cases they have, we need to bring the forks in, the forklifts, because it got a lot of heavy shit on stage. So we never really, we're not, we're not crushing ourselves. You know, no, everybody's respectful. Um, you know, it's communication. You know, you're also paying attention. You got to know what you're doing. Somebody asked you to do it. You got to know what you're going to going to be over there doing. So, yeah. Um, but after that, I mean, you know, you could be in there. I mean, ten thirty in the morning and get out at midnight, one o'clock. Mm, wow. So next for a mm-hmm. long day, but I get it. Yeah. Wow. Yep. The pay is the pay makes sense. You know, yeah. it's it's a long day, but you make good money. And I mean, listen, you're paying me to hang out with my friends and go to shows. Huh. Um. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've seen Cannibal Corpse. I've I've seen um, uh, what is it, Tosh Tosh something, the the girl there, um, Sultana Tosh Sultana. I've seen her. I've seen I'm dude so many metal bands and bands that I never thought I would ever see at that venue. Mm. And I mean, I've seen the Reverend Horton Heat there. Um, shit, like I said, the Sugar Hill Gang. That was a treat. I mean, when the hell did I ever think I would see those dudes? I thought they all retired, like the Wu Tang Clan. All of a sudden, the Wu is back. Uh-huh. Ah, I love the Wu. <laughs> I mean, it's just that's just hip hop. I, I love old hip hop. So but, basically, like this this venue is still, it's basically still ha- ha- hopping currently. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yes, it, absolutely. So like basically, the beast didn't affect it too much. As soon as like shows opened up, it's like, all right, let's do it again. You know what I mean? Yeah, it I took mean, about a year. It took about, about a, year a year for the whole drive-in. You know, I don't know if you guys know about the whole drive-in concert experience thing that they were trying to do for a while. It caught on oh, to certain that was, places. That was silly. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, I was like, even because I was doing, still doing sales. This was still happening. So I was like, they're like, well, call them and see if they want to do like stages with, with video walls. And I'm like, I don't think anybody wants to do shit. I was yeah. like, these people are all terrified. They, no one's going fucking anywhere. They're countries that are shut down with fucking people dying. No one wants to do a damn thing. I mean, yo, this is this as a true story. Um, another one, like it, it's it's it could have been fucking really gnarly. So um, released um, my metal band. That's you know the three of us are here, and the other dudes over at the Whiskey A Go Go. He's in out in L.A. So we go out to the Whiskey and play. Uh, this was December twelfth of uh, twenty nineteen. So this is just before COVID hit. Um, we went out, we played the show. Uh, our buddy Tony was sick as fuck the whole time we were there. He's like, oh, I don't know what it is. Um, you know, I just feel horrible. I'm throwing up. I got a horrible fever. He's like, but he's like, but I got to do laundry. So like, we're thinking, all right, well, he's just sick. Maybe he got food poisoning or something. You know, he's throwing up. I mean, that's a pretty common occurrence in food poisoning. Um, if you haven't been food poisoned, don't. Really just try not to. Uh, just. <laughs> This total disclaimer, yeah. I've I've felt that before. (laughs) So, you know, just a disclaimer out there, kids. Stay the fuck away from bad food and stinky feet. If you got both, 
Taco Bell, don't eat. I mean, nothing against Taco Bell. We don't. We're not trying to disrespect you, but sometimes you give us the toots or the skids. You know, yep. sharks and the farts. You know, the things. Yeah, road trip food. Yeah, that's no. Yeah. Not if you can't find a bathroom for a hundred fucking miles. Got a mud in a bag. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> I, I listen. I didn't know. I don't know how curt we can be or or which word. No, just... no, you can do say okay. say whatever. Okay. Yeah, yeah just. We're just not family certain, friendly. Certain <laughs> okay, we're 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 good for every family. We're just we're not maybe, you know, family friendly. We're oh, just not for every family. There you go. Exactly. Maybe the Adams family. Uh, yeah. I can dig that. You know, the Munsters. <laughs> right. Yeah. Go way off the rails. Sorry. Um, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. You you had asked me a question, and I just took away with it. I just I that sometimes happens. Uh, I think. Uh, what did I say? He kind of addressed it. Okay, yeah. But bring it, bring it up one more time. We'll bring it up so I can. I he was just asking how the the place you're working at how it handled the whole oh, yeah. stuff. You yeah. you answered it, yeah. so that's what yeah, I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, it was good for about. I took about a year, you know, and then everything picked back up once the band started touring again, and then you know the whole drive in experience ended, thankfully. I, yeah, I feel like like some other people brought up that like tours are getting overbooked because people are trying to make up for lost time well yeah i mean yeah. look at i mean bands like lauren ashore they they get on they're booking you know headlining these uh deathcore grindcore type of uh festivals they're not even shows anymore it's not three bands it's seven like holy shit i would I never mean, it's... yeah I've, I've said that before i never thought a band like that could get that big that's kind of crazy considering like the again the vocals where he sounds like he's dying but it's like I never thought a band that harsh and fast would ever get that popular that quickly. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you know who set the way for him was um, Suicide Silence. You know, right. God bless Mitch. You know, and and, and his beautiful fucking beautiful world. Uh, great person. I've never um, really listened to them, so I, I probably should because the the guitar player has a podcast. He seems like a pretty cool guy. Yeah, um, I'd have to listen yeah. to them. I don't know. I've listened to them. I have some of their stuff, but I always watch this video. I don't anymore, but I used to. It was basically just the vocals without the music. And it always made me laugh. Oh. I was like, do I sound this bad too when I'm recording vocals? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. It's yep. like, it, like, it just, oh. it literally always made me laugh. I'll, I'll send it to you sometime, Ed, if you haven't seen it. Mm. I'll have to find it. It fucking cracked yeah. me up. So basically, Mitch without the music? Yeah. Oh. Wow! It's I don't know what terrible. they sound like. That's the funny part. It's like I don't know what they sound like. But back to the what you said, yeah, like the whole Lorna Shore and like headlining festival, yeah, festivals and whatnot, and yeah, hmm. music's taking a different. It's and it's crazy because they're you know uh, they're real. Their verses are real fast, but then when it comes to like choruses, like they just drop halftime. So it's almost like some hate breed type of shit. If you if you. Hmm put it in like a, a sort of perspective, like in a hardcore way. I mean, yeah. I, you know, like, like I said earlier, I, I kind of grew up listening to a lot of New York hardcore growing yeah. up in New York and then plus the local bands. So then all those bands were influenced by, you know, the forefathers of, you know, Agnostic Front, Biohazard. Um, like I said, H2O, Sick of It All, um, Gorilla Biscuits used to today, um, Leeway, which was a like strange, cool crossover band. Um, you yeah. know, it's, yeah, but all, all those bands just, uh, yeah, it's fucking neat. Just inspired. 
I feel like you know, fast. yeah. Times like these, I think we need a SOD re- reunion. <laughs> that shit would be awesome. I, oh I don't God. see why not. It seems like it seems like Ooh. lately bands are reuniting, so it's like that probably should happen. I mean, if Pantera can kind of reunite, like I feel like again the guys in yeah. Pantera are an SOD, so it's I like mean, okay, that's what? not even really Pantera though. Let's be no, but like it's the funny two brothers that... are dead. Like it's <laughs> yeah, but. SOD could still be reunited if, yeah, because the two guys are in SOD, so it's like might as well wait. No, dude, I love that Mr. Bungle is back. People are put out a new record. That shit's fucking bananas. That is wow. a strange. That's a very strange band for sure. Like I don't understand what they are other than the last album's pretty thrashy, but like it's yeah. it's different for sure. I mean, it's and it's funny because there was I had read this uh, article with Mike Patton, and he's like. And they're like, well, what do you think about the new Mr. Bungle lineup? He's like, let me ask you a question. How would you feel if you had the band that, with all the dudes that influenced you to write the music that they're now fucking playing? He's like, how do you think that'd make you feel? And the writer was just like fucking mind blown. Because Scott Ian from Anthrax influenced because, you know, Mike Patton's over in, in California. Anthrax is in New York. So to get that music that far during that time, you know what I mean? Like kind of a an unheard of thing then now it's like literally a blink of an eye and you've got everybody's playlist that wants to share it with you yeah. you know but you know to get the, the that information over there i mean it's it's and then to be influenced and then have that dude so it was funny to read that thing when mike was like well what do you think it would be like you know shit <laughs> yeah funny if you asked me that. yeah but like mm-hmm. i feel like the the invention of like the uh, the live stream concerts and i feel like a lot of interesting ca- things came out probably collaborations you know yeah. So, yeah yeah i would i would like to see dave mustaine and metallica make up and see that that band on stage at some point i don't think that, that will be... ever happen yeah i don't <laughs> I think uh... <laughs> i agree i but, think i know. think uh i, I want to honestly say on the record like mustaine's got too much pride for, for that I bet you that Metallica is, they collaborate with a lot of people. And if that happened, yeah. it'd be a chance in hell. But like, I feel like Mustaine, if it was offered, he would still be stubborn because he's known to be stubborn. So <laughs> you can't change he's, that guy. He's still bitter. Yeah. Sure. You guys, oh, yeah, I would imagine. I mean, he still talks about it. Like David Ellison was like, yo, I wish Dave Mustaine would just shut the fuck up about Metallica. He said <laughs> right? in a recent article. I mean, he's like, listen, I just wish you would stop talking about it. Is that what that article about? Yeah, is that yeah. is that the yeah? I didn't know that. Uh-huh. I saw that, but I didn't read it because I'm like, yeah, I didn't. I guess I didn't it's, it's just he mulls over it. I mean, you can't mull over something. You started your own band, and that band is badass. I mean, Megadeth, like some of the thrashiest riffs. That's still yeah, inspired at, bands at, like yeah. Testament, and you know, it's yeah. I think at that point, like, I don't know why he cares because they're they're not as big, but they're still big, like household fucking name like yep. the number the number two band like yeah he's not, he's not gonna tap like top metallica but like they're no. the next band down. and and nobody's ever said and no honestly and there's never been okay like it's gonna be funny but i don't feel like a lot of megadeth fans have really left megadeth in general like as far as the music style they went a little bit different but like people have been devoted metallica when they went Kind of their weird thing. They lost a lot of fans. 
getting new yes. ones, but like a lot of the old school thrash people, they fucking hate them now, and which makes sense. They kind of yeah, you know, went several ways. But nobody ever said, I hate Megadeth. No, they just I like Megadeth. There's a few albums I don't like, but I still love. See, it's like Yep. Yeah. yeah. Testament to You're right on that. Obviously. Same with Testament. <laughs> you know, everybody. Yeah. I don't know anybody. <laughs> I don't know anybody who hates Testament. They're a good band live. I've seen them several times, but like, I don't know. I just feel like he should appreciate being the number two influential thrash band of all time. Yeah. I mean, really, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it shouldn't be a problem. You should celebrate that shit. You know, your, your name is up there with the legends. Yeah. I mean, I, I think honestly the whole the whole thrash came from Metallica came from Dave. You know? I mean he basically carried that same sound and they just kind of worked together because Kirk is a, a, a good lead player, but you know, it's just different. It's different now. Right. And there's a lot of drugs that probably influenced the thrash. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> a little bit, maybe a couple. Yeah, <laughs> like, maybe a like couple. A, yeah, a little bit of cocaine. Okay. <laughs> well, uh-huh. we could probably get ready to wrap this one up. Um, yeah, you let me know. Uh, I do. We could talk for hours. I mean, if you just want to shoot the shit, that's a really like all music stuff. Places that you know you can do things you can do. Um, I just, I just appreciate it, man. Yeah, I love to get to share stories. Mm-hmm. Love sharing stories. You sent a song right before you. <clears throat> hopped on here with us called scorpion do you want to talk about that a little bit yeah so the new ep that is um one of the uh singles that are going to be coming off of that next week um it's a story that it's a it's just a story um you know it might fall true for some people but basically the the kind of the idea is um you know you started in one state and you wound up in a different one and you don't know how you got there you know Mm -hmm. kind of a kind of almost a hangover but you know, you knew where you were and you wound up in the same state, but you just don't know how you got where you are in that other state. Yeah. Yeah. So it has, Scorp- has nothing to do with Scorpion King, like with the rock. No, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Good movie though. I'll I'll always I'll always celebrate that movie. Scorpion King. It was it was good. I mean, I like the mummy too. Like I like cheesy movies. Like I said, even music music and movies, man. I I spend a lot of time watching stand up because I love to laugh. That's my like like Elf. Oh, laughing's my my favorite. It fucking really is. I mean, it, it's so easy to not be happy, but it takes you know it takes a little bit of work to just be like you know what shit's gonna be all right. Just, just fucking laugh. Right. But yeah, so the, the scorpion is kind of kind of like that where you know you 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 take the experience. You know, maybe uh listen to the lyrics. Let the lyrics tell you the story. You know, mm. the musical the musical get you there, but the lyrics will tell you the story. You know, yeah, if I can say true. anything about it. Very true. Yeah. Like a lot of songs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, shoot, like songwriters, like we'll call, you know, Perry Farrell from Jane's Addiction, you know, heavily influenced by people like, you know, Susie and the Banshees, Bajas, um, Led Zeppelin. You know, you listen to Ritual De La Habitual, that record all day long, man. Um, I mean, it's epic drumming, kind of like some bon- John Bonham stuff. I mean, with some blues. I mean, it's all right there. You know, great storytelling with the music to tell, you know, kind of get you there with it. Yeah. Hell all those yeah. bands. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, again, Jeff, we appreciate you coming out here talking with us. Absolutely, yeah. brother. I appreciate y'all having me on. Yes. Yeah, definitely. You, 
The band is called Two Inch Voices. The song is called Scorpion. So we're going to roll on out here in a second. That's what's going to be playing. But again, everyone, thank Jeff for coming out and talking with us. And if you want to be on Dark Side of the Scene, send an email to Brandon at DarkSideOfTheScene.com and we'll get you scheduled on a future episode. But we're going to roll on out. See y'all. Peace. Yeah. Yeah. Woke up in the morning, happy to feel my soul. Said I woke up in the morning happy to feel my soul Somewhere in the heart of New Mexico And the last thing I remember is the old in the glass and said
Jesus.